0: Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Stories for the Road. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and today, Chapter 24 A Prowler of the Night. Down we plunged into the cellar, through the trap, and to the door of bewilderment. Don't expect too much, admonished Larry. I can't promise you a single Spanish coin. Perish the ambition. We've blocked Pickering's game, and nothing else matters, I said. "'We crawled through the hole in the wall and lighted candles. "'The room was about seven feet square. "'At the farther end was an oblong wooden door, close to the ceiling, "'and Larry tugged at the fastening until it came down, "'bringing with it a mass of snow and leaves. "'Gentlemen,' he said, "'we are at the edge of the ravine. "'Did you see the blue sky? "'And yonder, if you will twist your necks a bit, is the boathouse. "'Well, let the scenic effects go and show us where you found those papers,' I urged." Uh, "'Speaking of mysteries, that is where I throw up my hands, lads. "'It's quickly told. "'Here is a table, and here is a tin despatch box, "'which lies just where I found it. "'It was closed, and the key was in the lock. "'I took out that packet. "'It wasn't even sealed, saw the character of the contents, "'and couldn't resist the temptation to try the effect of an announcement "'of its discovery on your friend Pickering. "'Now that is nearly all. "'I found this piece of paper under the tape with which the envelope was tied.' "'and I don't hesitate to say that when I read it "'I laughed until I thought I should shake down the cellar. "'Read it, John Glenarm.' "'He handed me a sheet of legal cap paper "'on which was written these words, in capitals. "'He laughs best, who laughs last. "'What do you think is so funny in that?' I demanded. "'Who wrote it, do you think?' asked Stoddard. "'Who wrote it, do you ask? "'Why, your grandfather wrote it. "'John Marshall Glenarm, the cleverest, grandest old man "'that ever lived, wrote it. "'declaimed Larry, his voice booming loudly in the room. "'It's all a great big game, fixed up to try you and Pickering. "'But principally you, you blackhead. "'Oh, it's grand, perfectly, deliciously grand, "'and to think it should be my good luck to share in it. (laughs) "'I'm glad you're amused, "'but it doesn't strike me as being so awfully funny. "'Suppose those papers had fallen into Pickering's hands. "'Then where would the joke have been? "'I should like to know.' On you, my lad, to be sure. The old gentleman wanted you to study architecture. He wanted you to study his house. He even left a little pointer in an old book. Oh, it's too good to be true. That's all clear enough, observed Stoddard, knocking upon the despatch box with his knuckles. But why do you suppose he dug this hole here with its outlet on the ravine? Oh, that was the way of him, explained Larry. "'He liked the idea of queer corners and underground passages. "'This is a bully hiding place for man or treasure, "'and that outlet into the ravine makes it possible to get out of the house "'with nobody the wiser. "'It's in keeping with the rest of his scheme. "'Be happy, comrades. "'Tomorrow we will likely find us with plenty of business on our hands. "'At present, we hold the fort, "'and let us have a care lest we lose it.' "'We closed the ravine door, "'restored the brick as best we could, "'and returned to the library.' We made a list of the Pickering notes and spent an hour discussing this new feature of the situation. "'That's a large amount of money to lend one man,' said Stoddard. "'True, and from that we may argue that Mr. Glenarm didn't give Pickering all he had. There's more somewhere. If only I didn't have to run!' And Larry's face fell as he remembered his own plight. "'I'm a selfish pig, Larry. I've been thinking only of my own affairs. But I never relied on you as much as now.' "'Those fellows will sound the alarm against Donovan, without a doubt, "'on general principles, and will land a blow on you,' "'remarked Stoddard, thoughtfully. "'But you can get away, Larry. "'We'll help you off tonight. "'I don't intend to stand between you and Liberty. "'This extradition business is no joke. "'If they ever get you back in Ireland, "'it will be no fun getting you off. "'You'd better run for it before Pickering and his sheriff spring their trap.' "'Yes, that's the wise course. "'Glenarm and I can hold the fort here.' His is a moral issue, really, and I'm in for a siege of a thousand years,' said the clergyman earnestly, if it's necessary to beat Pickering. I may go to jail in the end, too, I suppose. "'I want you both to leave. It's unfair to mix you up in this ugly business of mine. Your stake's bigger than mine, Larry. And yours, too,' Stoddard.' "'Why, your whole future. Your professional standing and prospects would be ruined if we got into a fight here with the authorities.' "'Thank you for mentioning my prospects. "'I've never had them referred to before,' laughed Stoddard. "'No, your grandfather was a friend of the church, "'and I can't desert his memory. "'I'm a believer in a vigorous church militant, "'and I'm enlisted for the whole war. "'But Donovan ought to go, "'if he will allow me to advise him.' "'Larry filled his pipe at the fireplace. "'Lads,' he said, his hands behind him, "'rocking gently as was his way. "'Let us talk of art and letters.' "'I am going to stay. "'It hasn't often happened in my life "'that the whole setting of the stage "'has pleased me as much as this. "'Lost treasure, secret passages, "'a gentleman rogue storming the citadel, "'a private chaplain on the premises, "'a young squire followed by a limelight, "'sheriff, schoolgirls, "'and a sisterhood distributed throughout the landscape, "'and me with Scotland Yard "'looming duskily in the distance. "'Glenarm, "'I am going to stay.' "'There was no shaking him and the spirits of all of us rose after this new pledge of loyalty. Stoddard stayed for dinner, and afterward we began again our eternal quest for the treasure, our hopes high from Larry's lucky strike of the afternoon, and with a new eagerness born of the knowledge that the morrow would certainly bring us face to face with the real crisis. We ranged the house from tower to cellar. We overhauled the tunnel, for, it seemed to me, the hundredth time. It was my watch— and at midnight, after Stoddard and Larry had reconnoitered the grounds and Bates and I had made sure of all the interior fastenings, I sent them off to bed and made myself comfortable with a pipe in the library. I was glad of the respite, glad to be alone, to consider my talk with Marion Devereaux at St. Agatha's, and her return with Pickering. Why could she not always have been Olivia, roaming the woodland, or the girl in grey, or that woman so sweet in her dignity who came down the stairs at the Armstrongs, "'Her own attitude toward me was so full of contradictions. "'She had appeared to me in so many moods and guises "'that my spirit ranged the whole gamut of feeling as I thought of her. "'But it was the recollection of Pickering's infamous conduct "'that colored all my doubts of her. "'Pickering had always been in my way, "'and here, but for the chance by which Larry had found the notes, "'I should have had no weapon to use against him. "'The wind rose and drove shrilly around the house.' A bit of scaffolding on the outer walls rattled loose somewhere and crashed down upon the terrace. I grew restless, my mind intent upon the many chances of the morrow, and running forward to the future. Even if I won in my strife with Pickering, I had yet my way to make in the world. His notes were probably worthless, I did not doubt that. I might use them to procure his removal as executor, but I did not look forward with any pleasure to a legal fight over a property that had brought me only trouble." Something impelled me to go below, and taking a lantern I tramped somberly through the cellar, glancing at the heating apparatus, and remembering that the chapel entrance to the tunnel was unguarded, I followed the corridor to the trap and opened it. The cold air blew up sharply, and I thrust my head down to listen. A sound, at once, arrested me. I thought at first it must be the suction of the air, but Glenarm House was no place for conjectures, and I put the lantern aside and jumped down into the tunnel. A gleam of light showed for an instant, then the darkness and silence were complete. I ran rapidly over the smooth floor which I had traversed so often that I knew its every line. My only weapon was one of Stoddard's clubs. Near the door of bewilderment, I paused and listened. The tunnel was perfectly quiet. I took a step forward and stumbled over a brick, fumbled on the wall for an opening which we had closed carefully that afternoon and at the instant I found it, a lantern flashed blindingly in my face, and I drew back, crouching involuntarily, and clenching the club ready to strike. Good evening, Mr. Glenarm. Marian Devereux's voice broke the silence, and Marian Devereux's face, with the full light of the lantern upon it, was bent gravely upon me. Her voice, as I heard it there, her face, as I saw it there, are the things that I shall remember last when my hour comes to go hence from this world." The slim fingers, as they clasped the wire screen of the lantern, held my gaze for a second. The red Tam o' shanter that I had associated with her youth and beauty was tilted rakishly on one side of her pretty head. To find her here, seeking, like a thief in the night, for some means of helping Arthur Pickering, was the bitterest drop in the cup. I felt as though I had been struck with a bludgeon. "'I beg your pardon,' she said, and laughed. "'There doesn't seem to be anything to say, does there? "'Well, we do certainly meet under the most unusual, "'not to say unconventional circumstances, Squire Glenarm. "'Please go away, or turn your back. "'I want to get out of this Donjon keep.' "'She took my hand coolly enough and stepped down into the passage. "'Then I broke upon her stormily. "'You don't seem to understand the gravity of what you're doing.' "'Don't you know that you're risking your life "'in crawling through this house at midnight? "'That even to serve Arthur Pickering, "'a life is a pretty big thing to throw away? "'Your infatuation for that blackguard "'seems to carry you far, Miss Devereux. "'She swung the lantern at arm's length back and forth "'so that its rays at every forward motion "'struck my face like a blow. "'It isn't exactly pleasant in this cavern. "'Unless you wish to turn me over to the Lord High Executioner, "'I will bid you good-night.' "'But the infamy of this, "'of coming in here to spy upon me, "'to help my enemy, "'the man who is seeking plunder, "'doesn't seem to trouble you.' "'No, not a particle,' "'she replied quietly, "'and then with an impudent fling. "'Oh, no!' "'She held up the lantern to look at the wick. "'I'm really disappointed to find "'that you were a little ahead of me, Squire Glenarm. "'I didn't give you credit for so much "'perseverance. "'But if you have the notes,' Ah, the notes. He told you there were notes, did he? The coward sent you here to find them, after his other tools failed him. She laughed that low laugh of hers that was like a bubble of a spring. Of course, no one would dare deny what the great Squire Glenarm says, she said witheringly. You can't know what perfidy means to me, I said. That night, at the Armstrong's, I thrilled at the sight of you. As you came down the stairway, I thought of you as my good angel, and I belong to you, all my life, the better future that I wished to make for your sake. Please don't. And I felt that my words had touched her, that there were regret and repentance in her tone and in the gesture with which she turned from me. She hurried down the passage, swinging the lantern at her side, and I followed, so mystified, so angered by her composure, that I scarcely knew what I did. She even turned, with pretty courtesy, to hold the light for me at the crypt steps, a service that I accepted perforce and with joyless acquiescence in the irony of it. I knew that I did not believe in her. Her conduct as to Pickering was utterly indefensible. I could not forget that. But the light of her eyes, her tranquil brow, the sensitive lips, whose mockery stung and pleased in a breath, by such testimony my doubts were alternately reinforced and disarmed. Swept by those changing moods, "'I followed her out into the crypt. "'You seem to know a good deal about this place, "'and I suppose I can't object to your familiarizing yourself with your own property. "'And the notes? "'I'll give myself the pleasure of handing them to you tomorrow. "'You can cancel them and give them to Mr. Pickering. "'A pretty pledge between you?' "'I thrust my hands into my pockets to give an impression of ease I did not feel. "'Yes,' she remarked in a practical tone, "'$320,000 is no mean sum of money.' "'Mr. Pickering will undoubtedly be delighted to have his debts cancelled, "'In exchange for a life of devotion?' I sneered. "'So you knew the sum, the exact amount of these notes. "'He hasn't served you well. "'He should have told you that we found them to-day.' "'You are not nice, are you, Squire Glenarm, when you are cross?' "'She was like Olivia now. "'I felt the utter futility of attempting to reason with a woman "'who could become a child at will.' "'She walked up the steps and out into the church vestibule. "'Then before the outer door she spoke with decision. "'We part here, if you please. "'And I have not the slightest intention "'of trying to explain my errand into that passage. "'You have jumped to your own conclusion, "'which will have to serve you. "'I advise you not to think very much about it. "'To the exclusion of more important business. "'Squire Glenarm.' "'She lifted the lantern to turn out its light.' "'and it made a glory of her face, "'but she paused and held it toward me. "'Pardon me. "'You will need this to light you home. "'But you shouldn't cross the park alone. "'Good night. "'Please be sure to close the door "'to the passage when you go down. "'You are a dreadfully heedless person, Squire Glenarm.' "'She flung open the outer chapel door "'and ran along the path toward St. Agatha's. "'I watched her in the starlight "'until a bend in the path hid her swift moving figure.' Down to the passage I hastened, her lantern lighting my way. At the door of bewilderment I closed the opening, setting up the line of wall as we had left it in the afternoon, and then I went back to the library, freshened the fire, and brooded before it until Bates came to relieve me at dawn. We'll begin Chapter 25, right after this sponsor message. And now, Chapter 25, Besieged. It was nine o'clock. A thermometer on the terrace showed the mercury clinging stubbornly to a point above zero, but the still air was keen and stimulating, and the sun argued for good cheer in a cloudless sky. We had swallowed some breakfast, though I believed no one had manifested an appetite, and we were cheering ourselves with the idlest talk possible. Stoddard, who had been to the chapel for his usual seven o'clock service, was deep in the pocket Greek testimony he always carried. Bates ran in to report a summons at the outer wall, and Larry and I went together to answer it, sending baits to keep watch toward the lake. Our friend the sheriff with the deputy was outside in a buggy. He stood up and talked to us over the wall. You gents understand that I'm only doing my duty. It's an unpleasant business, but the court orders me to eject all trespassers on the premises, and I've got to do it. The law is being used by an infamous scoundrel to protect himself, I responded. I don't intend to give in. We can hold out here for three months if necessary, and I advise you to keep away and not be made a tool for a man like Pickering. The sheriff listened respectfully, resting his arms on top of the wall. You ought to understand, Mr. Glenarm, that I ain't the court. I'm the sheriff, and it's not for me to pass on these questions. I got my orders, and I got to enforce them, and I hope you will not make it necessary for me to use violence. The judge said to me, We deplore violence in such cases. "'Those were his honor's very words. "'You may give his honor my compliments "'and tell him that we're sorry not to see things his way, "'but there are points involved in this business "'that he doesn't know anything about, "'and we, unfortunately, have no time to lay them before him. "'The sheriff's seeming satisfaction with his position on the wall "'and his disposition to parley had begun to arouse my suspicions, "'and Larry, several times, exclaimed impatiently "'at the absurdity of discussing my affairs,' with a person whom he insisted on calling a constable, to the sheriff's evident annoyance. The officer now turned upon him. Yes, sir. We got our eyes on you. Then you better come along peaceable. Lawrence Donovan, the description fits you to a T. Ah, you could buy a nice farm with that reward, couldn't you? began Larry. But at that moment Bates ran toward us calling loudly. They're coming across the lake, sir, he reported and instantly the sheriff's head disappeared, and as we ran toward the house we heard his horse pounding down the road toward St. Agatha's. "'The law be damned! They don't intend to come in here by the front door as a matter of law,' said Larry, Pickering's merely using the sheriff to give respectability to his maneuvers for those notes and the rest of it. It was no time for a discussion of motives. We ran across the meadow, past the water tower, and through the wood down to the boat house. "'Far out on the lake we saw half a dozen men approaching the Glenarm grounds. "'They advanced steadily over the light snow that lay upon the ice, "'one man slightly in advance and evidently the leader. "'It's Morgan!' exclaimed Bates. "'And there's Ferguson!' "'Larry chuckled and slapped his thigh. "'Observe that stocky little devil just behind the leader. "'He's my friend from Scotland Yard. "'Lads, this is really an international affair. "'Bates, go back to the house and call at any sign of attack.' I ordered. The sheriff's loose somewhere. "'And Pickering's directing his forces from afar,' remarked Stoddard. "'I count ten men in Morgan's line,' said Larry. "'And the sheriff and his deputy make two more. That's twelve, not counting Pickering, that we know of on the other side.' "'Warn them away before they get much nearer,' suggested Stoddard. "'We don't want to hurt people if we can help it.' And at this I went to the end of the pier. "'Morgan and his men were now quite near, "'and there was no mistaking their intentions. "'Most of them carried guns, "'the others revolvers and long ice hooks. "'Morgan!' I called, "'holding up my hands for a truce. "'We wish you no harm, "'but if you enter these grounds, "'you're going to do so at your own peril.' "'We're all sworn deputy sheriffs,' "'called the caretaker smoothly. "'We got the law behind us.' "'That must be why you're coming in the back way?' I replied. The thick-set man whom Larry had identified as the English detective now came closer and addressed me in a high key. "'You're harboring a bad man, Mr. Glenarm. you better give him up. The American law supports me, and you'll get yourself in trouble if you protect that man. You may not understand, sir, that he's a very dangerous character.' "'Thanks, Davidson,' called Larry. you better keep out of this. You know I'm a bad man with the shalala.' That you are, you blackguard, yelled the officer, so spitefully that we all laughed. I drew back to the boathouse. They're not going to kill anybody if they can help it, remarked Stoddard, any more than we are. Even deputy sheriffs are not turned loose to do murder, and the Wabana County Court wouldn't, if it hadn't been imposed upon by Pickering, lend itself to a game like this. Now we're in for it, yelled Larry, and the twelve men in close order... "'came running across the ice toward the shore. "'Open order and fall back slowly toward the house,' I commanded, "'and we deployed from the boathouse "'while the attacking party still clung together, "'a strategic error, as Larry assured us. "'Stay together, lads. Don't separate. "'You'll get lost if you do,' he yelled. "'Stoddard bade him keep still, "'and we soon had our hands full with a preliminary skirmish. "'Morgan's line advanced warily.' Davidson, the detective, seemed disgusted at Morgan's tactics, openly abused the caretaker, and ran ahead of his column, revolver in hand, bearing down upon Larry, who held our center. The Englishman's haste was his undoing. The light fall of snow a few days before had gathered in the little hollows of the wood deceptively. The detective plunged into one of these, and fell sprawling on all fours, a calamity that caused his comrades to pause uneasily. Larry was upon his enemy in a flash, wrenched his pistol away, and pulled the man to his feet. "'Ah, Davidson, there's many a slip. Move once, and I'll plug you with your own gun.' And he stood behind the man, using him as a shield, while Morgan and the rest of the army hung near the boathouse uncertainly. "'It's a strategic intellect we've captured, General,' observed Larry to me. "'You see, the American invaders were depending on British brains.' Morgan now acted on the hint we had furnished him, and sent his men out as skirmishers. The loss of the detective had undoubtedly staggered the caretaker, and we were slowly retreating toward the house, Larry with one hand on the collar of his prisoner, and the other grasping the revolver with which he poked the man frequently in the ribs. We slowly continued our retreat, fearing a rush which would have disposed of us easily enough if Morgan's company had shown more of a fighting spirit. Stoddard's presence rather amazed them, I think, and I saw that the invaders kept away from his end of the line. We were far apart and calling to one another now and then that we might not become too widely separated. Davidson did not relish his capture by the man he had followed across the ocean, and he attempted once to roar a command to Morgan. "'Try again!' I heard Larry admonish him. "'Try that once more, and the sod, God bless it, will never feel the delicate imprint of your webbed feet again.' He turned the man about and rushed him toward the house, the revolver still serving as a prod.' His speed gave heart to the wary invaders immediately behind him, and two fellows, urged and led by Morgan, charged our line at a smart pace. "'Bolt for the front door!' I called to Larry, and Stoddard and I closed in after him to guard his retreat. "'They're not shooting,' called Stoddard. "'You may be sure they've had their orders to capture the house with as little row as possible.' We were now nearing the edge of the wood, with the open meadow and water tower at our backs, while Larry was making good time toward the house. "'Let's meet them here!' shouted Stoddard. Morgan was coming up with a club in his hand, making directly for me, two men at his heels, and the rest veering off toward the wall of St. Agatha's. "'Watch the house!' I yelled to the chaplain. And then, on the edge of the wood, Morgan came at me furiously, swinging his club over his head, and in a moment we were fencing away at a merry rate, clubs in both our hands. We both had revolvers strapped to our waists, but I had no intention of drawing mine unless I needed to. At my right Stoddard was busy keeping off Morgan's personal guard, who seemed reluctant to close with the clergyman. I have been in my day something of a fencer, and my knowledge of the foils stood me in good stead now. With a tremendous thwack I knocked Martin's club flying over the snow, and as we grappled, Bates yelled from the house. I quickly found that Morgan's wounded arm was still tender. He flinched at the first grapple, and his anger got the better of his judgment. "'We kicked up the snow at a great rate "'as we fainted and dragged each other about. "'He caught hold of my belt with one hand "'and with a great wrench nearly dragged me from my feet, "'but I pinioned his arms and bent him backward. "'Then, by a trick Larry had taught me, "'flung him upon his side. "'It is not, I confess, a pretty business, "'matching your brute strength against that of a fellow man. "'And as I cast myself upon him "'and felt his hard-blown breath on my face, "'I hated myself more than I hated him "'for engaging in so ignoble a contest.' "'Bates continued to call from the house. "'Come on at any cost!' shouted Stoddard, "'putting himself between me and the men who were flying to Morgan's aid. "'I sprang away from my adversary, snatching his revolver, "'and ran toward the house, Stoddard close behind, "'but keeping himself well between me and the men who were now after us in full cry. "'Shoot, you fool, shoot!' howled Morgan, "'and as we reached the open meadow and ran for the house, "'a shotgun roared back of us, "'and buckshot snapped and rattled on the stone of the water tower.' "'There's the sheriff!' called Stoddard, behind me. The officer of the law and his deputy ran into the park from the gate of St. Agatha's, while the rest of Morgan's party were skirting the wall to join them. "'Stop or I'll shoot!' yelled Morgan, and I felt Stoddard pause in his gigantic stride to throw himself between me and the pursuers. "'Spring for it, hot!' he called very coolly, as though he were coaching me in a contest of the most amiable sort imaginable. "'Get away from those guns!' I panted. "'angered by the very generosity of his defense. "'Faint for the front entrance, "'and then run for the terrace and the library door,' "'Stoddard commanded, "'as we crossed a little ravine bridge. "'They've got us headed off. "'Twice the guns boomed behind us, "'and twice I saw a shot cut into the snow about me. "'I'm all right,' "'called Stoddard, reassuringly, still at my back. "'They're not a bit anxious to kill me. "'I was at the top of my speed now, "'but the clergyman kept close at my heels.' I was blowing hard, but he made equal time with perfect ease. The sheriff was bawling orders to his forces, who awaited us before the front door. Bates and Larry were not visible, but I had every confidence that the Irishman would reappear in the fight at the earliest moment possible. Bates, too, was to be reckoned with, and the final struggle, if it came in the house itself, might not be so unequal, providing we knew the full strength of the enemy. Now for the sheriff! Here we go! cried Stoddard. "'beside me, and we were close to the fringe "'of trees that shielded the entrance. "'Then off we veered suddenly to the left, "'close upon the terrace, "'where one of the French windows was thrown open, "'and Larry and Bates stepped out, "'urging us on with lusty cries. "'They caught us by the arms "'and dragged us over where the balustrade was lowest, "'and we crowded through the door and slammed it. "'As Bates snapped the bolts, "'Morgan's party discharged its combined artillery, "'and the sheriff began a great clatter "'at the front door.' "'Gentlemen, we're in a state of siege,' observed Larry, filling his pipe. Shot pattered on the walls and several panes of glass cracked in the French windows. "'All's tight below, sir,' reported Bates. "'I thought it best to leave the tunnel trap open for your own use. Those fellows won't come in that way. It's too much like a blind alley.' "'Where's your prisoner, Larry?' "Potatoes, Zeller. Quite comfortable. Thanks.' It was ten o'clock, and the besiegers suddenly withdrew a short distance for parley among themselves. Outside, the sun shone brightly, and the sky was never bluer. In this moment of respite, while we made ready for what further the day might bring forth, I climbed up to the finished tower to make sure we knew the enemy's full strength. I could see over the treetops, beyond the chapel tower, the roofs of St. Agatha's. There at least was peace. And in that moment, looking over the black wood, "'with the snow lying upon the ice of the lake, white and gleaming under the sun. "'I felt unutterably lonely and heartsick, and tired of strife. "'It seemed a thousand years ago that I had walked and talked with the child Olivia, "'and ten thousand years more since the girl in grey at the Annandale station "'had wakened me in a higher aim, and quickened a better impulse than I had ever known. "'Larry roared my name through the lower floors.' "'I went down with no wish in my heart "'but to even matters with Pickering "'and be done with my grandfather's legacy forever. "'The Sheriff and Morgan have gone back toward the lake,' "'reported Larry. "'Ah, they've gone to consult their chief,' I said. "'I wish Pickering would lead his own battalions. "'It would give social prestige to the fight.' "'Bah! These women!' "'And Larry tore the corner from a cartridge box. "'Stoddard, with a pile of clubs within reach, "'lay on his back on the long leather couch,' placidly reading his Greek testament. Bates, for the first time since my arrival, seemed really nervous and anxious. He pulled a silver watch from his pocket several times, something I'd never seen him do before. He leaned against the table, looking strangely tired and worn. I saw him start nervously as he felt Larry's eyes on him. "'I think, sir, I'd better take another look at the outer gates,' he remarked to me, quite respectfully. His disturbed air aroused my old antagonism. Was he playing double in the matter? Did he seek now excuse for conveying some message to the enemy? "'You'll stay where you are,' I said sharply, and I found myself restlessly fingering my revolver. "'Very good, sir,' and the hurt look in his eyes touched me. "'Bates is all right,' Larry declared, with an emphasis that was meant to rebuke me. Join us next Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time for Chapter 26 and 27 as we draw near to the exciting conclusion of the House of a Thousand Candles. If you enjoy our show, please share with others. And please do send us a review when you get the chance. We would appreciate that very much. This is John Hagedorn, your host of 1001 Stories for the Road. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll return next Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Meanwhile, everyone, stay safe, and we'll be back soon.